This latest podcast is brought to you by our sponsors, Focal USA and the Council on Queen West. Also, be sure to register your email address on our website, centeroflesnation.com, for all our weekly updates directly to your inbox. Welcome to this podcast of Center of Lease Nation. I am... I have the pleasure of having a brand new contributor to our podcast, Sergio Leone, on our podcast this evening. Welcome, Sergio. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any any jitters? Any nervousness? Not at all, buddy. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So, you know, before we kind of go into some of our topics, because honestly, training camp has been a shit show with injuries and Sandine and all that fun stuff. But I would love to have you, you know, share with our listeners, you know, about you, you know, how much of a Leaf fan are you? And and kind of just go off, buddy. Leaf, wait a second. Is this a hockey podcast? <laughs> oh, man. We're coming on the heels of the Toronto Blue Jays clinching a playoff spot on a day off, you know? Listen, uh, avid sports fan, Toronto sports fan mostly. Um, hockey at the top of that list. Uh, love baseball, love basketball. Uh, big into the NFL as well. But, I mean, hockey... Canadian born, you know, the way it is with all of us, right? So yes. it's there, it's in the blood and uh, yeah, miserably a Leaf fan for as long as I can remember, you know? So, uh, you know, to fill in the audience, I turned 41 in a couple of months uh, watching Leaf games more than half my life. So following it along and, and yeah, and, you know, touching upon what you just said right now, and I've been watching from afar because I've been out of town. Uh, as you know, traveling, uh, traveling around Europe and keeping track of what the Leafs are doing in training camp in the preseason and uh, injury bug biting a little bit for Toronto, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. read some, uh, read some quotes about uh, our wonderful head coach, you know, shitting on the team a little bit, <laughs> getting frustrated in some of those first few practices. So it's good, you know, it's, uh, it's good. It's good to have hockey back. You know, it's an exciting time of the year. Yeah, no, most of it. It's kind of funny. I, I woke up and I actually post this as, as a post on LinkedIn. But what I like is when September kind of turns to October and you feel that briskness in the air and you right. just know, you just know that in like a week or two, hockey's about to start. And then like, it just goes off. Like it literally goes off for me in October. You know, I try and make it out to the Leafs uh, tailgate party every year. Um, that's always a blast. But this is definitely the time of the year where we can talk about the team that we love Sometimes we hate, but you know, it's definitely a passion for all of us. Right, Sergio? Yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's a passion. You're not, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna live and breathe the Toronto Maple Leafs if it's not a passion. So either you're getting angry about the team <laughs> or you're happy with the team, or it's a mixed roller coaster of emotion all year round as it is for most of the fan base. Uh, it's a passion that, uh, that we all have. And truthfully, at the end of the day, if you follow this team, no matter how you feel about the current situation, deep down inside, you desperately want these guys to win a cup. Yeah, We all want to see it in our lifetime. Uh, we've all been surrounded by elders. They'll say, I don't know if I'm ever going to see it. It would be nice if we could just make everyone happy. And there's more than enough pieces on this team, generational talent. Uh, you know, you and I have talked about this uh, off the podcast multiple times. The pieces are there. Yep. Uh, you know, if the ball can get rolling in the playoffs a little bit, it can happen. 
So yeah, no, and that kind of takes us to our first topic, and like, I want to get your before we go into too much in depth. I want to get your high level first impressions. We wake up nine thirty, almost ten o'clock this morning. Bang, news hits. Rasmus Sandin two year deal at one point four million. What was your initial reaction? So initially, when 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 I'm reading it and it comes through, and I mean, look, it's been rumored now for a few days, right? Yeah. So I, th- I think Elliot Friedman kind of made mention to the possibility a few days ago, and kind of be following along with it for the most part. But you sit there and you're like, this is the same damn contract <laughs> that was offered to this guy back in June. I mean, yeah. the numbers have been out there yeah. on the internet, like everyone's read it, and you know, you get a chuckle and. You know, like how misguided and misinformed do you have to be <laughs> as an agent taking your player? And we're, we can get into the agent in a second, right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> favorite of mine. But, you know, you've got a guy that's played, what? what is it, 85, 88 games yeah, 80, in the NHL 88 games or something, or something like yeah. that? Yeah, 88 games in the NHL. And what are you fighting for at this point? Are you fighting for like, what, an extra $250,000, $300,000? I don't even get the point. Yeah, you you've got a contract that was offered in the offseason. Kyle Dubas and, and the management team obviously had a plan. They viewed, at least in the short term, that that Sandin's value was equal to that of Lilligren. Yep. They offered them matching contracts. I don't understand why the Sandin camp really had to push for whatever they pushed for. Frustration because of the playoffs or he didn't start, whatever it was. But you get to today, and it's like, okay, all right, we're finally going to take the contract. What what grabbed me, and I'm going to ask you this, did, did you end up reading the quote that ended up getting released that, that basically is Agent Lewis Gross uh, kind of put out there in the media today? Did yeah, you, you yeah so, so my initial comment to that, and I, I posted the um, meme of Homer Simpson going around in a circle on the floor like as Three Stooges. <laughs> Because clearly it's spin, right? Like, right. there's no, like, aside from, like, what I think of, of, of Rasmus, I, th- I think he's a gem. Like, I think he's, you know, he's he and Lilligren will be the anchors on the Leafs defense for many years to come. So separate the player. But that's fine. <laughs> separate, yeah, to be determined. But to separate sure. the player from the process, right. the process stunk. Like, if yeah. you're going to hold out and you're going to fight for something, Make sure that at least the perception is you got something from it, right? To potentially put yourself behind the eight ball. Like, what if there were no injuries on the Leafs roster and he persisted to sit? Any any hope he had of getting into the top four, which I know deep down is where he wants to be. Sure. But you don't earn that by acting the way he did. Like, he wasn't in the same stratosphere as a William Nylander or a Mitch Marner to even ask for anything more, right? Like, you played 88 games. The team loves you. There's a fit there. You know, is there a potential of the least trade haul or whatever to make the spot in the top four? You know, potentially. But why would you ruin the fans' perception of you when you waited this long to take the same bloody contract that was offered to you in June that Timothy Lilligren jumped at and realized, you know what, I'm going to take this because it's an opportunity for me to stamp my spot in this roster and hold down a spot. Um, it just, like I said, I love the spin. I love all my, you know, 
me and Rasmus saw that the players were down and we wanted to come back. And no, no, you got it. You no, no, hold on, Pat. You got you got to read it verbatim. So okay, so I'll no, let you listen, read it verbatim because it's just as funny. So so purely okay. Well, I took it from pure LeBron, but there were okay. a few sources that put it out there. So okay. th- this is this is Lewis Gross. <laughs> this is the agent of Rasmus Sandin. Same agent as Nylander, as you pointed out, but that's okay. Yeah. We, we don't need to touch upon that right now. Yeah. So he says, and I quote, after watching last night's game and the injuries that occurred, Rasmus and I contacted the Leafs early this AM. Rasmus knew his teammates and the organization needed him, and we had no interest in creating leverage because of a teammate's injury. So let's, let's break that down a little bit. First off, you want to sit there as the agent and spin, well, now we have leverage, yeah. right? So we want the world to know that we have leverage because the Leafs have all these injuries, right? You're an idiot. Okay. Like you're an idiot. Why, why, why even say that? What are you trying to accomplish as the agent to your player that you've held out and took a contract that was the same thing that was offered to him three months ago. But more importantly, it's the (laughs) fact that we contacted the Leafs early this morning because Rasmus knew that the team needed him (laughs) because of all of these injuries. No, here's what happened. Okay. At some point, Rasmus Sandin, who's been misguided throughout this whole process, took yeah. a look and said, oh, Jake Mudge, Jake Muzzin was an early injury. Yeah. Injury prone. Maybe I'm going to have an opportunity to get into the lineup. Yeah. Oh, Ben. Oh, insert, insert, insert. Lilligren, we got all these injuries. Well, maybe if I just take the contract, I'm going to get an opportunity to get in the lineup. The opportunity was always there. So yeah. even if you looked at the Leafs' top six, as they had it written on paper, without Rasmus Sandin signed. Yeah. It was always going to be an opportunity for him to get games. Yeah. In a perfect world, if Jake Muzzin was fully healthy, yeah. which we know is not a reality, but just yeah. we'll, we'll pretend, suspend belief for a little bit. Jake Muzzin is healthy. Understanding that he's got an injury past, I think that if you were coaching the Leafs, you'd probably look at that and say, well, I'd love to pick spots to get him out of the lineup. Yeah. They're probably going to carry that exact same sentiment with Giordano. Yeah. I think that, and Giordano has, there, there, there's no clear evidence of any injuries with, with Mark. And he's Giordano. played well, even through he's the camp so far. Well. He's gone through the camp. Doesn't look yep. like there's any problems, but he's an aging veteran. Yeah. Right. I don't think the expectation is, is that he's going to be playing 23, 24 minutes a night in an ideal world the expectation in an ideal scenario would be that he's going to be your third pairing guy might have to bump up to the second pairing, depending on what happens with Muzzin right now. But aside from that, in a perfect scenario, you probably have Giordano say, even if you're fully healthy, maybe you're only going to play 70 games this year. Yeah. Because the whole point is to get these guys to the playoffs. Yeah. With as healthy of a roster as possible. Right. So Sandin was always going to find his way into the lineup. Now he's not going to play 82 games, but as you rotate guys out, yeah, I think he would have easily played 50, 55 games this year. Yeah. I, that's my belief. Now, given everything that's happened, that's likely where it's going to go anyways. But it goes there starting in a, on a sour note, right? Yes. Because of all this BS. And it goes back to what you said before. Why? Yeah. Who are you to have yeah. acted out this way? Yeah. You know, why did it have to go there? So that's the frustrating part. But even too, like the fact that, you know, when you start looking at the fact that I think there was one report, I forget who it was that put it out there, that originally his camp wanted the same contract as Sean Dursey out in L.A. Well, once again, Sean Dursey has had a pretty good career in L.A. Like, 
you know, yeah, you know, we needed to have traded him to acquire the pieces that we got back in that trade. I think he was part of the Muzzin and Campbell trade, if I'm not mistaken. He was, yeah. Right? right. So, like, yeah. at the yeah. time, there was a definite need for Jake, and there was definite need for Jack to come in and support Freddie at the time. So, mm-hmm. you had to trade something to get something. So, there goes Jersey. But he had a really good OHL career. He started off like a house on fire in L.A. Like, Rasmus Sandin, as much as we all like him, and I like the fact he's got a little bit of a more physical edge than people give him credit for, he didn't have the same trajectory. You know, he didn't have the same trajectory as a William Nylander that but got 40 points, 60 points each of his first three years. Like, Nylander is special. Like, there's something in that kid, right? So, but I don't you're fighting get... fighting for $300,000 but on that's a two-year deal. But my, the way, it's very short-sighted. Like, if you know, now that we know that the salary cap is going up, or at least starting to go up 24, 25, right. and then higher from there. Right. Why am I nickel and diming a team that I want to spend my career with? Like, why am I changing the, the, the market's perception of me for, like you said, 300,000? It's not worth it. It's, just, it's so short-sighted. But maybe at the end of the day, he doesn't have aspirations of staying with the team for the long term. But my point is, is that it's a two-year deal that's on the table. Yeah. Right. If this was another contract term, it's a seven-year deal that's coming on the table and you're fighting for an extra three, $400,000 a year. I get it. I mean, yeah. you know, that totals like 2.1 million at the end. Of yeah. And they, cause they start buying like, like UFA year. So that, that little bit that. makes sense. But I it's get, a I get. two year bridge deal. <laughs> yeah. And you're telling me that you were sitting there for three months trying to fight for an extra 250, 300 a year. I get it. It's not inconsequential money, but again, it goes back to what you said. It's being short-sighted. It's ignoring the fact that you've got a team that's invested in you up until this point. Yeah. You still need to prove yourself. Yeah. So it was always going to be a bridge deal, right? Take it, prove yourself, earn on your next deal. Yeah. Or or win a spot. Like instead of missing a couple weeks of training camp, Sign that contract in June like Lilligren did, because Lilligren has every intention of making this this Leafs roster. And, and I hope, I hope that Keith doesn't throw us for another loop and keeps Lilligren away from Giordano. Like that pair was solid. Like I, for I me, enjoyed what, yeah, no, 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 absolutely. For me, yeah, I enjoyed you can pen roster. that pairing in the bottom, th- like in the bottom two, every day of the week for me. Sure. Like Lilligren's got the speed. He's he's very intelligent on the defensive side of the game. Jordan was a great mentor, but none of us like Justin Hall. So if you're Rasmus Sandin, <laughs> right? Like, it's let's so call true. it spade a spade. None it's of us true. like Justin Hall. So if you're Sandin, why aren't you the first freaking guy in camp? Take his spot. God damn it. It's yours. Like, Wait a second. Are you asking a young player to come into camp and try to earn a spot? I guess. I, oh. Heaven forbid I do such a thing. <laughs> Are you out of your mind? But there, but, th- but that would be the spot, right? Because we know Brody and Riley aren't going anywhere. Muzzin offers something to this team that, when healthy, the Leafs don't have outside of Ben, right? Right. Giordano offers some physicality, but like I said, I've already got him with Lilligren. I would be happy with that pairing every day sure. of the week. If you're Sandine, Justin Hall is beatable. Yeah. Go get it. Go get it. It's on a platter. Yeah, like, go get it. You're not competing against like a Shabbat. Like you're not competing against Carlo in Boston. You know what I mean? I could go on and on of all these really young, like Darnell Nurse. Like you're not competing against Darnell Nurse. Right. 
it's Dustin fucking Hall. No, there's there's an opening there, and again, there's an opening back there. To what we said from the beginning, misguided and misinformed, yeah. and yeah. whatever whatever the hell you want to say at the end of the day, but. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate it had to get to this point. And now what you've got is a fan base that's that's sour on the player. You've done it to yourself. We saw how missing time and having these contract disputes affected Nylander in yeah. that year. It affected Marner. Yeah. And I it's I have the expectations that it now it's going to affect Sandy. That it's, yeah. it's now I get it. This contract is at least signed with still enough time in the preseason enough time to get into games hopefully he's stayed in shape yeah <laughs> you know in the time that that this has been going on um but i mean it is what it is more it is. than anything when you look at this team as a whole and you look at the situation that's been going on right now in training camp with the injuries that you know that have been sustained to this point and again this is something that we've talked a little bit about you know in private yeah it's created adversity for this team right yeah. And probably at, at a really good time, at a yes. really good time. Let's face the facts. If you're looking at the public perception of what the Toronto Maple Leafs did this offseason, public perception, your yeah. average Leaf fan, this has probably been one of the most negative takes from a social standpoint yeah. that I've seen on the Toronto Maple Leafs this offseason. You had people that crapped all over the the whole Jack Campbell, Matt Murray switcheroo yeah. that he did in that. And I call it a switcheroo because I truly believe at the end of the day that Murray's going to give you what Campbell did. I, I, I truly believe that. Um, at least he's going to be, he's not going to, at their worst. Yeah, right? you're getting what I, you got last year. I think you're getting what you got last year. Right? And that's um, not bad. Like with, with really, the upside of a guy with the upside of, of Murray, like, like, yeah. do we look at Matt Murray and, and does he have that? Not obviously I'm not saying, okay, this is going to come out really poorly, but I don't mean it to be, but like, does he have the carry price playoff magic? Right? Like we don't know. Like, and, and that's the thing, like when I look at his relationship I, with John right. Elgin, what Curtis Sanford has done with Patrick Demko out in Vancouver, um, right. I really do believe that Samsonov might be that sneaky signing for Tro outside of the Zach Austin recent. We'll touch on that a little bit mm -hmm. later in the podcast. But I, I personally like Ilya Samsonov. I, I like that goalie. I just there's something about him based on all the reports that from some of my friends and family that are Capitals fans saying why did Washington just walk away from a first round pick? Um, and a lot of it is situational. Like Kemper wasn't was an average goalie until hitting Colorado. Right. Right? So right. do the Leafs have enough firepower that maybe they can overcome a Matt Murray misstep? But really, if you look at Murray's track record, every time in the playoffs, you stick that man in an overtime, he's won. Yeah. I think he's what lost. What? Wait, has he lost even one overtime game in his two playoff runs? I'd have to go back and look. And again, what everyone is going to have is they're going to have a recency bias with Murray, that, right? Because that's it the problem. Went, it went, it went so horribly in Ottawa. Oh, it went so horribly between like, I, it, couldn't, I, it couldn't have went worse. No, <laughs> like, truly but, but, at the end of the day, it couldn't but what have went do we, worse. But, but my whole, uh, like objectively speaking, if you just take a step back, remove your leaf glasses. Sure. He went to a rebuilding team the right. year or two prior his dad had passed. So like, and then he had the hand injury. I'm not, I don't remember if it was his glove hand, but he did have a hand injury that was mismanaged in Ottawa. Right. 
right? So I think it really does boil down to just operation, you know, opportunity and situation. Like how many times have we seen players leave Toronto and then go and find themselves? Or in the case of like Zach Hyman and Michael Bunting, who were not given proper opportunities in Arizona when it comes to Michael Bunting or in Florida with Zach Hyman, they come in, here's your shot. Right. And I personally, because I like the underdogs, I always root for the underdogs, sure. is when I look at the two Leafs goalies, there are no goalies in the NHL that are coming into their situation with as large of a chip on their shoulder and something to prove than the two goalies that the Leafs have. Undeniably. And they, they better have that chip on their shoulder. Right? And That's what should. I want. And they, and they should. should. Because, right? because and Samsonoff, they should. Samsonoff was, I mean, if we go back two and a half years, three years, he was supposed to be the next guy yeah. in Washington. You know, 22-year-old, 23-year-old at the time, because I think Samsonov's 25 now. Yeah. And I remember this. I mean, look, look, I'm I'm big into fantasy hockey. Yes. And I can remember, like, big into it. And I can remember when Samsonov <laughs> was young, you know, and we're the group of guys in the fantasy hockey, and we're doing these these drafts, and one of the guys gets Samsonov, and everyone's kind of looking around the room saying, you stole one there. You know, yeah. because Washington was – is and was then relevant yes. as it came to you know regular season success you're like <laughs> you know you yeah that's that goalie for you know the yeah, few years. For, yeah. For years and whatever it is that happened with samsonov and then you know they do the kemper signing and then samsonov falls into the leaves lap it, it couldn't have worked out any better no. and murray's got to have the same chip on his shoulder too right because yep. of everything that we said it went so poorly in ottawa everything that could have went wrong went wrong, wrong. from that murray here you come, here's your chance at resurgence. And you're going to have two guys, in my opinion, because they're, they, the similarities in the sense that they both got pushed out yeah. from the teams that, that, that they were at. And yeah. you should have that chip on your shoulder at this point and push each other ultimately. Yeah. I don't think that any one guy, barring injury, is going to start 60 games this year. I think the Leafs probably look at it. I don't know if it's a 40-40 split, but I think it's going to be pretty damn close. Yeah. So that's my opinion. I think it's going to be pretty damn close between them in terms of their playing time. And I think one is going to push the other. And then when the playoffs start, you got to, you, you know, you have to go with the hot hand again, right? Like you have to just see who's playing hot that last month. Like you just, and, you literally have to ride the hot hand. And, and you go with it. And look, I mean, when Murray was in Pittsburgh, and I think it happened in both playoffs. Yeah, he where, stole it from Flurry. Or he stole it from Flurry, because I believe if I recall in both instances, Flurry started. I'd have to go back yeah. and look. I mean, like you're jogging your memory now a number of years. Yeah. But I remember that Flurry played in both of those playoffs. And yeah. he faltered, and Murray came in. Murray and away you go. With yeah. a very subpar defense. Well, that's, that's, so that's my that, point. Yes, those back-to-back cups in Pittsburgh are the entire reason why you look at the way that the Le- and the Leafs' defense, at least from what what we've got today, yeah, assuming health, and of course you always have to assume health, yes, is is probably underrated a little bit, right? Like I, I really feel like the Leafs get a lot of flack. Ah, oh, their defense is weak. Yeah, their defense played pretty good last year. They, they were top ten. Yeah, it's it's you know it's a little underrated. It's like it's it's it's, like, it's very underrated. There's not enough ink that gets played to it, and that's the one thing that right. that troubles me is, you know, people are like, oh well, Jack Campbell had like a few points better than Murray last year. I was like, okay, one yeah. goalie played with a team that had a top ten defense, and one played on a rebuilding team. <laughs> one goalie saw less high danger chances than the other goalie. 
Right. One goalie had a fire punch of a, like a generational players are essentially number one center and a right. really solid number two center. And he couldn't run with it. Like even in the playoffs, like let's just give Jack whatever. He got injured in the regular season. We get into the playoffs. The Leafs made Vasilevsky look average. It wasn't until game six that Vasilevsky turned it on. But exactly. what, and I throw this to you and I've said this to everyone and I want to get your thoughts on this, but doesn't what Vasilevsky showed in game six and seven, doesn't that what separates a high-end goalie to just an average? It's not making the saves that you should make. It's making that one extra. Because I forget who it was that posted it. They actually showed that the Leafs had outshot Montreal in both of the overtimes in the Montreal series. Right. And they outshot Tampa in game six. Right. So what does that tell you? It's not that the Leafs offense just suddenly dried. It's Carey Price and Vasilevsky made that one extra save. Absolutely. Like, one or two I don't know how people can argue. Like, I don't it's, know how you can argue it. Like, it's that one extra save. It's that one save in a situation that when the boys on the bench look at you, they're like, he's got us tonight. And Campbell and, couldn't do it. And, and Anderson couldn't do it before. It's what's ailed this team for six years is having the guy in between the pipes that can make that huge save when you need yeah. it. Yeah. You know, it's a tight game, as we know that, you know, game sixes and game sevens traditionally are. Yeah. When you look back at the Leafs track record, the last six years of not being able to get out of the first round. And again, it, it's not saying, oh, my God, Campbell was horrible. It's all his fault. It's the point that whoever's been in net for the Leafs has never been able to give them that one save. It's that one it is. goal that goes in while the offense is trying to figure out the. Yeah. You know, the Jesus Christ that's in net that, that we yeah. always seem to get every year. It doesn't matter. Even when they played Columbus, and I can't yeah. remember who it was in game five. Was it Corpus Allo in net that night or was it? Um, oh, I forget. Oh, what's or his was name? it uh, Merzlingus? It was one of the two. They both yeah. played in the series. Yeah. And they, and they both played well. Right. So every like, time the Leafs are getting to the first round, it seems it doesn't matter what the opponent is. If you're going back and it's Rask, if you're going back, you know, it's Columbus and it's the duo. Carey Price. Listen, it was Carey Holby Price. in Washington. Holby in Washington. And they're making the big save when you need to make the big save. Yeah. And the Leafs can't get that save. But even too. So I, I threw this out. People are like, oh, there's no way. Like, how are you even comparing Jack Campbell to Grant Fear? But Grant Fear would allow six. Right. But he would make that extra save that allowed the Oilers it. to score seven. Sure. Sure. Right? So it. I've always been big on, can you make that extra save that no one thinks you can make? Because that is really what differentiates a mid to lower tier goalie than from your Vasilevskis, from your Holpies, from even a Kemper. Like, Kemper's not a good goalie. Right? He's just not. He's just, even with the defense that Colorado had, his save percentage wasn't the best. But... I'm not going to disagree. Yep. When it came time that he needed to shut it down. He found it himself to get his fucking nose on a puck if he needed to, but he did it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, no, hundred percent. I, I just, I, and, and what bothers me and this, and you'll laugh at this because we've had this conversation. <laughs> so Jack Campbell essentially changes his pajamas, goes from the Toronto Blues to the Oilers, but in that transition <laughs> becomes Patrick Waugh. 
Oh, you, you didn't know? It's been the big... Look, this fan base falls in love with good guys, right? Yeah. Like this, and this isn't just a hockey thing, eh? Like this fan base falls in love with guys that have a character or guys yeah. that come across as really good guys. You know, Campbell's this smile and, and, yeah. and who was it for the Jays, Mununori Kawasaki, because he's got yeah. a character. And you can go on. You you can pick the sport, and you can yeah. pick the fan. You can go back in Leafs history, and it's like there's always a character, a guy that we fall in love with. It's it's a thing in this. It, it, it's okay. a legit thing. Campbell didn't suck, and it's no way trying to imply that. Oh, he was garbage. That that that's not no. that's not the message that we're trying to get across. The point is, is that outside of one month last season, he was average, right? Yeah, and. That's fine. I mean, average goaltending is really all this team needed to get <laughs> the most points that they got in franchise history. I get it. They haven't got out of the first round. It's frustrating. Believe me, there are days that I would like to build a dartboard of Kyle Dubas's face and throw darts at it just because I'm frustrated as yeah. a fan, right? Even though there's not a lot really that I can shit on the guy for, but it that he's the face, he's the yeah, general he's the manager, face. right? Yeah. So I, I want to throw, you know, a, a dart at him. And believe me, I want to do it with Matthews and Marner too. Yeah. Because you get to game six and seven and they can't find the big goal either. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's not the first playoff that that's happened. Granted Leafs defense also kept Tampa Bay's stars off the scoreboard yep. in game seven this year. That's, that's not who killed them, but I I'm still waiting for the big moment from these guys. But as much as that frustration exists and you want to keep laying blame to everything and just getting back to Jack Campbell. So outside of that one month, he was mediocre, right? Yeah. And I think that that's what the management team looked at and said, and, and this is something that we're probably going to touch on. I don't know if we'll touch on it. If we're going to touch upon it today or at some other point, which is really referencing the Leafs cap situation and yeah. how you can kind of see that, Duvis has managed the cap to make sure that when all these guys come up, especially Matthews, there's a crap ton of money there. So yeah. if you're going to understanding that it was only going to be 5 million or whatever it was for Campbell, but that five-year contract for a guy that really was, that's his first, it was his first year last year being a starter. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to invest in you for five more years. You've got injury history. You're 30. You're 30. You're going into your 30s. Right. So, and that's where you just like, you don't know what you're going to get out of the goalie yeah. anymore in terms of health, longevity, all of that stuff. So, yeah, I, I kind of agree with it. He, he looked at it, assessed, you know, that's what they did. They identified Murray. There's only, it's two seasons. It's this year and one more. Yeah. And they're sitting there saying, in my opinion, I think we can get this guy back on track to give us at the least what we what had Campbell gave us last year. Yeah. Yeah. And then as we mentioned before, they get the gift. Cause I believe that's what it is at the end of the day that Samson up falls on their lap. It just makes it that much more comfortable of a situation yeah. in that. And I think they're in a good spot. Yeah. That's my opinion. And yeah. And I know that's not the popular opinion of this city right now, but yeah. it's my opinion that I think the Leafs are going to be okay. Barring catastrophic injuries to certain positions on this team. They're going to be fine. Yes. Right. If 
you know, insert name or we're all going to knock on wood here, man. But if the wrong players get hurt for yeah. an extended period of time, there's, there's no amount of depth that you can have that's going to yeah. replace Austin yeah. Matthews if he goes out for an extended period of time. Mitch exactly. Marner, he goes out for an extended period of time. There's there's, there's, there's no magic potion to say, yes. oh, you know, you you should have a guy waiting in the wings that's going to step in and and re- no, it doesn't replace <laughs> that, right? No. So um, if if health doesn't ail this team this year for the most part, they're going to be just fine. They're going to be yeah. right up there in the standings. I don't know that if they're going to have the same amount of points that they had last year, but they're going to be there. Yeah. They're going to make it to the playoffs. The Leafs are going to be in round one again, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And then it's time for them to prove it again. Right. Uh, and hopefully they can get over that step. Yeah. Um, and, and the way I look at last year too, is if you look at how many points the Leafs dropped to teams that were below them in the standings, they could have easily <laughs> won the president's trophy yes yeah or at the very least won the division and would have avoided tampa right so like but that once again how many games do we look at jack campbell and say he let in a stinker and the rest of the night went to shit Happened in the playoffs. If we want, if we want to use everyone's favorite recency bias, which seems to be the disease that people have, if we just look at the playoffs, yeah, and what happened. Okay, so Campbell pitches what the shutout in game one, yeah, where, where it wasn't needed because the Leafs were on fire offensively that night, yeah, and you get to the games in Tampa, game three, if I recall, is when basically Tampa came out guns a blazing, if, if I'm remembering it correctly. Or was it game four? I believe it was no game, game four. Was- no game four. Game four was the trek to the penalty box, where right. I think the game fin- what it finished. What I want to say seven to four or seven well, to- something like that. But okay, so it was yeah. game four, and that's what I'm right. So the Leafs were up two one in the series, right? Yeah. You get to game four, and that's like like that's one of the games that you can identify. Yeah. Like right then and there, you can identify it. if they figure yeah. out a way to win that game. Now you've got the defending champs on the ropes. Yeah. At that point, and what happens? Tampa comes out guns a blazing and you knew they were going to. Yeah. Campbell's got to be able to make the stops right then and there. Like you've yeah. got to help quell that fury that's coming in. Yeah. Doesn't happen. Then the penalties come in. Everything's going in. See you later. It's a wasted game. Right? Yeah. So, and, and I look at that and that goes back to what we we're saying before. Can somebody, it, it's ailed this team now for six years that someone can't come up with the big save. Yeah, to just calm things down and allow the entire group just to kind of reset, no matter what the situation is, and it's ailed them. So now we've got two different guys, you know, yeah. that and and one of them is going to have to, you know, eventually start in the playoffs, and like you said, we'll see where that goes ultimately at the end of the day. But it goes back to you've got a young guy in Samsonov who was highly touted at one yeah. point in Washington. And you've got a two-time Stanley Cup champion. Yeah. Like, you've got a Stanley Cup winning goalie in that right now. And I don't care how bad he's looked in Ottawa. It's done. That's yeah. yesterday. That's right? yesterday. You know, it, it's irrelevant at this point. Now he's in that, and it's not the Ottawa Senators in front of him. Yeah. Okay? It's the Leafs. And people yeah. might chuckle at that. You chuckle all you want. <laughs> the Leafs are significantly better than the than Ottawa the Senators. Yeah. Right? So, 
<laughs> it's not even a question. No, <laughs> I'm laughing at it because there's Twitter banter that's been going on back yes. and forth. The sense fans but, magically but think he, so that here's the Ottawa Senators are the equal to the Toronto Maple Leafs now. But so anyway. here's my question: Yeah, what drives the narrative? Is it social media or is it the media? Because what I have always oh. struggled with is the perception that the Leafs aren't a defensive juggernaut. They play under Keefe, and you can see it from when he first took over till now. And let's even give Keefe a little bit longer of a leash because his first two years, A, he didn't have a, a full training camp because he took over from Babcock. Then he had what? Two years of essentially a rush through training camp. I think one season, I don't even think there was a training camp to really get the players going. So last year was the first time he had a full training camp. Correct. What did we see with this team? They look sounder. Inarguably. Right? And then let's take another, let's go now, let's turn the page forward to this summer. And you mentioned, you touched on the, the offseason because I think this really plays into my, my, my argument is the Leafs went out and got Jan Kroc, Callie Jan Kroc, mm-hmm. Zach Austin-Reese, mm-hmm. and Abe Kubel. Mm-hmm. Those three players, if you look at their defensive numbers, have already made a defensive team that much harder to play against. And you still have camp, and you still have Angvall. A lot of people don't like Angvall, but he serves a purpose. You know, he's a great depth scorer. He can get you 20, 25 goals. You know what I mean? You put him in the right scenario, who knows where that could go. But they have the size and depth now that now the bottom six has an identity. That we're not feel that they don't have enough size, that they still lack that that I don't know what it is. Like I don't they don't they don't have that. No, but here's my thing that's gonna run you over. But here's my thing with grit. So people say, Well, Kyle Dubas doesn't like grit and size. He got Muzzin, he got Clifford, he got Simmons, he went and got Felino. He who else did he grab that was big? Uh, he just signed Ben. He went and got Giordano. But the response I get back is, no, not that grit. The other grit. You know, the other grit. The magical it's grit. Like, it's, 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 like, it's like, but I just gave it to you. And if you look at the Leafs roster, there's not a lot of midgets. And you look at some of the guys Kyle Dubas has drafted, they're not small guys. Like, Matthew, no, but not- we're gonna. But we're only gonna pick. But we're only gonna pick certain things that fit. Yeah, let me focus right? on Dennis Malgin. Well, right. But let's shit all over the fact that it's Malgin, right? Because oh, there was you know, oh my God, but they gave up Marchman, and it's like, but <laughs> hold on, guys. This that was a guy that was in the AHL for years that didn't do anything. He couldn't yeah. even earn an NHL spot. Ends up in Florida. Something clicked. Congratulations. Yeah. If yeah. you had, look, I don't know which one of the betting websites are out there that if there's one of them that you would literally list, you know, the point totals for every player and allow me to bet on it, give me an over under on Marchman's points this year. Cause I'd like to see what people will put it at. And I'd probably take the under, right. Just, that, and again, like, you know, there's, there's some belief that suddenly he's going to, you know, continue to morph into like, I don't know what a 70 point player, you know, that's got size and grit and he can score and all of this stuff. And I'm like, but, but he didn't, do it like he didn't exemplify any of those things when he was with the marlins yeah okay so he showed a little body showed a little bit of size but there was no narrative or belief that yeah oh 
he's he's got all the tools in the making and he didn't do enough to knock on the door to earn a spot on the team. Yeah. And that's so, fair based on when you look at the rosters, mm-hmm. right? And then people will will say, oh, you know, Dubas quit on him pretty quickly. But at some point, given Marchman's age, the, the franchise had to make a decision, right? Like he, like you said, he didn't really do all that much with the Marlies. He was essentially just like a depth forward, you know? But once again, it, it's opportunity. And sometimes just going to a new team and, and not having the Toronto spotlight and whatever you want to call it. Some players do really well, you know? The Leafs won the Zach Hyman trade. Like you're going to, like no GM bats a thousand in every transaction that they do. Absolutely. You know, Nick, oh, speaking of the other guy, the big guy, Nick Ritchie, you know, like. <laughs> he but tried. You, but he tried. But let's be honest. Like, people like to say, well, you know, Kyle Dubas lost a few trades. You know where he lost in the trades is when he went out to get grit. When he chose Nick Felino over Taylor Hall. When he went to go get Nick Ritchie, when he probably could have had, you know, a younger someone that could filled in in the bottom six. That's where he went wrong. He's never gone wrong when he's went out and got talent. No, I can't. I can't disagree with that. Right. And even I, the I, really, trade. I, I think it's kind of an argument. But forget about the cadre trade because people people still harp on that shit. Yes. And, and but we forget the context. Got, but the context is, is that cadre got suspended. Twice. Right. And then actually again, and then you're sitting there and the narrative that off season was how the F can you keep this guy? If he's not going to be playing your most important games in the playoffs, because he's going to do something to get himself suspended. So now you've backed in in a corner and Dubas is sitting there with the management team. The entire fan base was like, you can't keep this. That was the yeah. narrative that offseason. Yes. Like everyone seems to forget that we were all at our Angry. wits end yeah, with we what were. had happened with Cotton. And it's like, you can't, yeah. you just, you can't, you can't keep this guy anymore. He tries to identify a trade. Obviously, I, you almost feel like the entire league knew. Uh, Leafs got to move Cotton. Like but, but even, but Cotton shot down Jankowski and Brody. Like there right. was the trade. Like people forget <laughs> this. Yes. Yes. That if yes. Dubas had his way, right. we would have had Brody one year sooner and we would have had Jankowski. Right. And and Kadri would have been in Calgary. Calgary would have been where, where where he ended, ended up, up anyways. Where he ended up anyways. Okay. Granted, but, he's got a cup, right? And that's, again, and that's I the don't bias hate... on the trade, though. The bias is now that he won a cup, right? But, but where when was Kadri... it when he got suspended in his first year in Colorado? But that's a, he goes to Colorado on his first year. And what happens? He gets fucking <laughs> suspended. So it's like, does everyone forget that literally when that happened in that playoffs, Leaf fans are like, see, see, yes. well, fuck, I told you. Like, that's what it is. He got that's suspended. That's what it is. He did it again. Yes. So, you know. It's hard. But, that, but, that, but isn't that the problem, though? Right? Like, we latch on to certain moments, and I don't think we really understand them. Like, I... When I look at the Leafs' six playoff losses, I kind of treat it like a car going into a mechanic. Okay. The car might be broken, but let's okay. assess what the actual issues are, sure. right? Like, if the engine is going, you're not replacing the tires, right? Like, if something electrical is going, then you're looking at what's causing the... Like, but with each of the Leafs' losses, they weren't... We didn't get to that point for the same reason, right? Like, Washington ended up being a solid team that year. The Leafs pushed them to six. Right. Right. Then you go and you we face Boston. Okay. The first year in Boston, 
it, it was once Kadri left, it was essentially became a toss up. Sure. That second series in Boston is if Kadri doesn't get suspended, Kadri and Nylander, if people fr- remember, were a hell of a line. I recall. And they were giving Boston fits. Yes. All Kadri had to do was punch someone in the face and he wouldn't have been suspended. That's the difference. And he did. <laughs> right? No, but that's it. But, but that's the it. difference, right? Like, take a five minute penalty. You want, no one's saying don't get your pound of flesh. Right. Get it within the structure of the game. Take a five minute penalty. Take a 10 minute penalty. And that's where he, that's where he lost himself. But that's where we lost him. That's where we lost. And that's, that's where we lost. lost. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, okay. Then we switched to Columbus. Then it became a complete shit show. <laughs> because Matthews and Marner did, couldn't score. It's like they just forgot. Right. Right. But in that series, if I remember correctly, Kerfoot and Nylander were the engine. Yep. No, I do recall that. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And you go into Montreal, and, and then you go to Montreal it's, it's, once again. You Carey know, you Price lose to, finds himself. Carey Price finds you have Tavares going down in game one. Like, let's be honest, game one for me was a write off. Watching Tavares on the ice and then them panning to that bench, their head wasn't in the game. The minute that that injury happened, the the, the collective life out of this entire city got sucked. I mean, that was probably one of like. The scariest hockey moments outside of the Malarchuk. Right. No, uh, but you're old enough to remember the Malarchuk. No, the no, no. From Buffalo where he got no, his no, neck and, cut. No, and I do, but the, but that's the point, right? Like, I mean, okay, so there was a little bit of blood on the on on Tavares at, in the play, but it was him trying to get up yes. off the ice and then kind of collapsing backwards. And at that point, like, you don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, we had no like, idea. Is is he in convulsion? Is yeah. something happened? Like, you're sitting there as if like, I can remember watching the TV that yes. night. Like you're sitting there saying, holy shit. Yeah. Like, what am I witnessing right now? Yeah. You know, and then I don't want to speak like super negatively. I, his jersey is sitting right behind, right behind me right now. But you're like, are we going to witness like death on TV tonight? Yeah. You got no clue at right? that point. Yeah. And that's, that was a scary situation, but it's, it's part of the narrative of there's always something. There is that, always that something with to, this team. That, that has to go wrong. And then last year, you just, like, you felt at least early on in that series that maybe it was finally going to go right. Yeah, you know, it felt kept, winnable. I, I, I personally, and I, I still to this absolutely day. absolutely winnable. winnable. Not that right? it felt winnable. You give it me, was winnable. I, I will bet whatever money I have that if you played, replayed that series nine out of ten times, the Leafs win it. If if Campbell can make the save when that when one extra save. save, you know, that or, one or, extra save because the least made Vasilevsky look pedestrian. Yep. For five like, games, they did. Yep. In five games, they did. No, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So you get that extra save in game six and OT when Toronto was dominating them. Right. But that's the part that bothers me is people like, oh, that, you know, Matthews choked. He, they really didn't. Neander is not good in the playoffs. Nobody is. Right. Like. That was my biggest fear going into this playoffs. That was my from only fear. From an offensive standpoint. Right? From but an offensive was, standpoint. You but, you know, you know, you, the audience might not know my personal take on Nylander, right? Because, but from an offensive standpoint, Nylander had, and, and he's had good playoffs. The last three. The last three. Where he's, I think he's up to almost a point a game now. It's Because it's, of it, right? It's the things that you can't measure with advanced stats 
that bugged me about Nylander. And again, that's that's just it's my eye test yeah. versus your eye test yeah. versus anyone else's. That at the end of the day, that you can't measure heart and determination. And I feel that it's something that lacks with Nylander. And for me, when I look at that player, it's just something that I can't get over. Like I, I can't get past it. He's on the ice. I watch it. You're watching on TV. You're like, it's the third period. And this fucking guy doesn't have a bead of sweat on his head. But how, how is that even possible? How can your hair still look so majestic? Okay. With 10 minutes left. In he the does. He does. Like, he looks like, he like lions walking down the jungle. But that's what it is, right? So, yeah. and, and when he's on offensively, I mean, he's as good as we can talk about in terms of some of the best offensive, like in terms of skill set, some yeah. of the best players in the league, right? But that's not there 100% of the time. And it's, well, no one's on 100% of the yeah. time. Yeah, absolutely. But I feel like with Nylander, it's like 65% of the time. And then like 35% of the time, you want to grab him and you want to take his head and you want to smash it in the wall a couple of dozen times because it's frustrating because you know that the skill set is there, but you're, you're just, you're missing those, those aspects, those intangibles that again, can't be measured by a course stat, right? I feel that he lacks those things. And it's like, for God's sakes, man, if you could just have a little bit more effort, the guy put up 80 points last year. Like, are yeah. you kidding? On a team that's flanked by Matthews and Marner. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's yeah. not inconsequential when you're sitting there saying, holy crap, like, these guys have four guys that basically had 80-plus points last year. Yeah. This is a very good offensive team. It yeah. is a very underrated defensive team. Yeah. It is a team that, for the most part, if they get average to above-average goaltending, they are again are going to flirt with 50 wins this year. Yeah. Assuming health going back to everything yeah. we were talking about before. I just, when the switch turns on and it's playoff time, and maybe this is going to be the year because again, I'm just going back to what we've seen just a little bit in the first couple of weeks here of training camp. Yeah. And Sheldon keep kind of going off on practice the other day. I think that, I think the narrative is there in the room yeah. that, they just need a little more from everybody. Yeah. Like it's, it's just, it's known at this point. It's yeah. known. Everybody needs to pitch in just a little more because if they can get over just that initial hump, I, think I don't they're going think, to run. Yeah. I don't think there's a I, process I, I, here with this team. I don't think that they've got to learn how to win one round and then come back again next year. No, if they can get over that hump. I think they can, they, but we've seen they can it. Make a run. They can make but a run. we've seen it. Right. Lesser teams have gone on runs. Right. Don't let what we saw with the Edmonton Oilers last year fool anyone. Like they banked on Cody CC and Tyson Berry having career years. Unbelievable. They're one year older. <laughs> do we do we do we see that trajectory continuing, or do we just be like, ah, eh, it's a blimp? Uh, like I would again, you know, because this fan base will tell you. You guys, we gave away Kadri to get Tyson Berry, and now suddenly Tyson Berry is what you know, yeah. a defensive stalwart. I don't think it's, so. It is so comical. Yeah. So it, like it that's is. the thing with Toronto is, I legit believe that if they could ever get out of their heads and win a round, right? That 
a repeat of 93 or even the early 2000s with Matt Sundin is truly conceivable. There are very few teams, even as tough as the East is, that can go punch for punch with Toronto. They um, they can win a cup. They can win a cup. They can win a cup. I, I don't care about the negative yeah, shit no, that people want no. to talk about. The reality is the team is good enough to win a cup. They're good, they're good enough to win a cup. And you're in the season, and the trade deadline will come, and if there's a piece to add... They'll add it. They've got the picks. Insert name, you know, whatever so, you want. It, the possibility is there, right? So here's something the, funny. Go ahead. You'll appreciate this. I got told Kyle Dubas trades all his first round picks. Okay. So let's remember why he had to trade that one first round pick. Would you have rather kept Marlowe at $6 million when he needed to sign the players that they needed to sign that offseason? No. They had to give up Connor Brown to get rid of Zaitsev's contract. People in Ottawa are dying to get a Zaitsev's contract, and they've got two more years of it. They've got two more years of it, yeah. Yep. So if you look at the defense that the Leafs have today and compare it to what Dubas inherited, you can't compare. And speaking of trading first-round picks, the Leafs have the 2023 first-round pick, and they have a 2024 first-round pick. If they needed to go get that final piece of the trade deadline, they're not going to be hurting for assets. You need to trade it. I like I, at the end of the day. But that's the point. You need yes, to trade you it. Still, you still need to. Be, you still need to draft and develop next guy up. And yes, first round picks are important. But you're sitting here with a team that has not one, but two generational talent. Yes, Matthews. And Marner. And I get it. People are not going to put Marner in the same thing. The goal scorer is worth infinitely more than yeah. the playmaker. But the reality is, is that the playmaker plays a 200 foot game. He is a dynamic forward. Okay. Yeah. And we're not even going to touch upon the whole. Now they're going to start trying him on the back end on right. Yeah. D in certain spots, but it speaks volumes to what that player is. Yes. He plays a full game, and he is dynamic offensively. The Leafs have two, like literally, arguably, two of the best players in franchise history. Like when you're talking about offensive skill set, and I get it, we've seen a lot of great players on this team over the years, but these two guys are special, okay? So this team is capable of winning a Stanley Cup. And let's leave off on this. Let's leave off on this because, and I know that you're going to agree with this point. If for whatever reason, the Leafs were to falter again this year and Kyle Dubas gets fired. Okay. Good. If they don't get out of the first round, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to happen. happen yeah. Right. And Dubas is going to get fired and maybe Sheldon keep gets fired too. And the new guy, whoever the hell that GM is, is going to come in and then he's got to put his stamp of approval on the team. Okay. And probably end up making what we'll look back on years from now as a stupid trade. Yes. Okay. And if the Leafs haven't captured that cup in four or five years from now, it doesn't even matter if Matthews and Marner are still on the team at that point, which I suspect yeah. they will be. Okay. Approaching the thirties. But if we're looking at this team five, six years from now, and they still haven't captured one cup as a fan base, we will look back. Okay. And basically say, Oh my God. Yes. How did they squander not being able to win a cup with these guys? And people want to shit on Kyle Dubas because they feel that he hasn't put the best pieces forward. 
again, this is a team that's coming off their best regular season in club history. I get it. It's not the playoffs, but we all watched that series last year. Yeah. We all watched what they did. Okay. Put the defending champs on the break. Okay. And I'm not trying to, Oh, you know, in the handshake line and this, you know, like, like put all of that crap aside as a fan base, as we were going into game six, we believed. Yes. They could be Tampa. Yep. Didn't happen. But you saw the way that this team played last year. So you know that it's there and they've got to get over the hump. Yeah. I don't think anything that was done this offseason put them in a lesser spot. Yeah. I, I really don't. And we let's say we, we probably don't have another hour to talk about it because we haven't. No, but I do want to toss it to you. No, but some of these players what are your thoughts. In, I think they're, they're yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go like ahead. if you look at each individual player, like they each fill a need. Yes. Absolutely, the one hundred percent too. They were right, 100% like too. so. What are your thoughts on the reports that there's probably a contract already out for Zach Austin Reese? As there should be, as there should be, in my opinion, because again, he's a player that fills a need, and the Leafs are always going to have turnover in the bottom six. Yeah. Like we're in a cap era, you're a cap team. That's where you're going to find it, right? Yeah. You've established, you've you know, you're you've locked up at least to this point your key players. We understand who their who their offensive juggernauts are. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's the bottom six that's got to have that cycle. Yes. Okay. I look at what he's brought in this offseason. And again, people have crapped on Dubas. And I'm sitting there saying, what what are you crapping on? Yeah. I have no issue with any of these players. Yeah. Oh, but he went out and and again, we're gonna go and he signed Dennis Malgan. And now, you know, now the Leafs have. Maybe they've got too many contracts and how are they going to be able to get this guy in and that guy? (laughs) They're going to figure it out. They always figure it out. Right. So at the end of the day, I look at all of the players that he's brought in. I'm sitting back. I'm like, Nick Robertson looks like he's got a little extra pep in his step. At least and he's bigger. Like, he's gained like some weight. Trying to like, like he's fighting for a spot. He understands. Yeah. Like these guys know there's no spot that's going to be handed to them. Yeah. And you've got, competition that's going on around the team to try to earn these spots i think it's great i yeah. think it's great and if one guy falters next guy up right yeah. so you're not you're not sitting there saying well we've only got these 12 forwards in these six defensemen yeah outside of the injuries there's depth right yeah may not be the depth that people are crazy about but it is depth it is nhl caliber depth yes yeah. so i think personally that the guys that he's brought in I'm happy with like, like yeah. I'm content with the off season. I'm yeah. just, what the fuck do you expect? Well, that's, to do but that's my point, point, right? Like, but I think what people, I think as fans, we get that shot of endorphin when our team signs the big free agent. Sure. The Leafs aren't at that spot. No. Like when you look at Ottawa, Ottawa needed to go, go, go out and get a Debrinkat. They needed to go get a Giroux. Absolutely. The Leafs have Austin Matthews. Mitch Marner, John Tavares, William Nylander. Absolutely. You know, and then you look at the defense, Lilligren, Sandin, Giordano, Muzzin, you know, Brody, Riley. Right. They didn't need to make a splash. Because really, where the Leafs' Achilles heel was, as an objective fan, bottom six. Because we lost Kasha on the third line. Mm Because that line with Kasha, Engvall, and Kempf was probably one of the better third lines when fate and health allowed them to be yeah 
No, they scored. I, I they they the scored com- them some death goals. Yep, absolutely. Nothing okay. happened. It was low event hockey. Yep. Yep. Which but is which, that, which sometimes which is say hockey is good hockey, right? Right. So, but right. then the other thing is, I now look at the least fourth line, and you throw over the you know you you're you're Sheldon Keith. You're looking down the bench. That fourth line is starting to take on an identity now. I think so. Yeah, with Zach Austin Reese possibly yeah. Kempf going down there, and. Possibly, you know, Abe Kubel. That's going to be low event hockey. But for a team that everyone says doesn't play defense. <laughs> so the Leafs go get what they need to play defense. Because if you look at all three of those players, their defensive numbers are through the roof. Yeah, they're doing exactly. Yeah. Right. Advanced stats. And, the and they start and they yeah. start the four check. I don't. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about you, but I don't want. Tavares, Nylander, Matthews, Marner, starting in the defensive zone, if I don't need to. I would rather a Kempf and an Angval or a Zach Austin Reese and whoever that center ends up becoming. If you can give me low event hockey, get the puck out of the Leafs zone, and that means we're throwing the first or second line over the, you know, over the, the hump or over, sorry, over the boards. Right. I'm fine with that. Because what's better than a goal scored? It's not a goal scored against. (laughs) (laughs) Keep it out of your net and put it in the opposition net. I mean, it's it's a simple game, right? It's a it's a pretty simple like logic, right? And then you add Jankrock. Depending on how the the lines play out, maybe Jankrock becomes a new Kasha, and you get an Angvo Camp and Jankrock line. I I would. I don't mind that. Like I don't know about you. No, I I serviceable third line. Absolutely don't have an issue with it. You're going to see a cycle of the bottom six in terms of like, who's it? Because there's like seven or eight guys realistically that are going to be able to play those positions and that's fine. So, I mean, you're going to have cycle coming in and out of the lineup, pushing one guy, pushing the other, pushing for minutes. I I guess I'm sitting back trying to figure out Clifford's going to like, I Got to start the year in the AHL, I assume. Or he, if he clears waivers, and that and that does the Leafs wonders. If someone claims Clifford, contract off the books, some One money off the cap, off the books. Yeah, Simmons, Sim, you know, probably in a similar boat thing. with Simmons. I think so. Yeah, exactly. Now I don't. Right? I like, don't. Well, I mean, does he get picked up? Maybe. Um, but that's the position that they're in. But 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 there's still other in. guys on top of that, right? So yeah. you know, and we're we were probably like, looking at that saying, okay, well, maybe they are the seventh and eighth that forward in the bottom six, but no, it, it, it there still goes beyond that. Right. So yeah, you, I just, I, a, I just don't like, I don't know what people wanted this off season. Like I legit want to bang my head against the wall. I'm like the least have internal solutions when it comes to scoring. This team had no issue scoring. They scored over 600 goals last year. Right. They have no issue scoring. And if you're on the, and if you're on the side of the Leafs don't play defense, and you see the team go out and get a Zach Austin Reese. You see them go get an Abe Kubel. You see them go get a Jan Kroc. And you know that they still have a year with Kempf. How are you not looking at that saying, this team that was already a top 10 defense now has an identity on that bottom six, on the bottom six pairing, like on the bottom six lines. Like it's exactly what they needed. They went and got younger, they got faster, and they got, and I, if I'm not mistaken, Zach Costin Reese led the league in hits, or was up there in like the top five for hits out of out of the forwards. Okay, so I I, I don't got the stats in front of me, but he's a guy that lays the body. Right? He's a guy that lays, and Jan Kroc is a, a very 
very underappreciated when it comes to his physical side of the game. To his physicality. Yeah. They, that's what we wanted, right? That's like, what we, yeah, 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 we yeah. When, when, when we identify it, <laughs> yeah, we, we need, we need to be more physical. So, so here you go. And right. It again, negative narrative. I'm, I'm guilty of it sometimes too. It comes with the frustration of seeing the team fail when you yeah. have expectations that are probably some of the highest that they've ever been in the history yeah. of this organization because of the talent that's on the team. So we get it, but it goes back to having to look at things as objectively as possible. And while there's going to be some things that, that, you know, amongst the objective fans in the fan base that you can argue on, like I said, at the end of the day, we can sit here and tell me about Nylander. I might have my opinion, but overall, yeah. when you look at this team, it goes back to everything that we said, they are capable of winning a cup. Yeah. They're going to add to this team come the deadline as they yeah. have every year, as you should, yes. when you're a contending team, you yes. should be adding and away you go. And the playoffs will start again. And it's the same narrative basically as it was last year for me. Right. Yes. These 82 games are just, it's a viewing party, man. Yeah. Because it's, it's game 82. It's really, it's, we're talking May, 82. June is when we're really focusing. Like that's, that's when it matters. So, so. before we wrap up this week's podcast, Sergio, um, we kind of touched on this last week. I kind of want to get your thoughts going into the season with Kyle Dubas without a contract. Who does that speak more so to? The core that he's protected or he himself? Or is it both? You know, it's a cop-out, I guess, if you say it's a bit of both, but it is a bit of both. I don't know. It's kind of where it's at. You yeah. know, you look at this entire situation, I mean, you get it. Like, like if you're if you're looking at it, and again, we're going to use that word objectively, but if you're looking at it objectively, we understand what's going on here, right? Sure. Could the Leafs have given him an extension? Okay, great. But we know that if the team falters, they have no choice but yeah. to fire him. Because yeah. that's it. As, yeah. as happy as some of us can be with the work that he's done when you look yeah. at it in total, if the team falters again, you're going to be sitting there saying seven straight years. So yeah. it's just like Shani's hand is forced. Who cares? Like, that's fine. So he's a sitting duck GM. He, I don't want to say that, you know, I don't think that Kyle Dubas at his core is really happy about it. Yeah. Right. But I think he understands the situation. He understands that it's a do or die season for him. Yes. What you need to be appreciative of is the fact that even even going into last year, right? The pressure was still on Dubas. Yeah. Like when we go into last season, what was the narrative? It's, yeah. it's basically the same narrative that we have this year, yes. right? It's like, get to game 83. I don't care yeah. what happens in the regular season, right? We want to see success in the playoffs. So the pressure was mounted from that point on Kyle Dubas. So we understand that ultimately at the end of the day, even with all that pressure, this guy has still managed not to hinder this team's future yeah. from a cap standpoint, even from an asset standpoint, okay? That if he's gone, the guy who's going to walk in 
that will probably end, end up ultimately fucking this all up even worse, <laughs> okay, is at least going to walk into a hell of a situation. Yeah. Not hamstrung. He's not going to have to come in and do what Dubas did. Trade Zaitsev, yeah. figure out how to trade Marlowe, have these hindered contracts that Lamarillo yeah. left them with that, you know, ultimately didn't make any sense. So it is what it is. I'm hoping that the narrative is at least put to bed from, from yeah. a media standpoint. They, they asked him questions. He addressed it. I hope we can let it die there and that yeah. it doesn't have to be something that's- Yeah, that's something that becomes a distraction. It will. It will though, right? Because if the oh, Leafs yeah. go on it's a Toronto. little bit of a losing streak, then it's going to be, oh, now yeah, here we go. City. Here we go, right? Because we need something to talk about. But it it doesn't matter, right? So my my belief is, is that there's a contract in the top drawer for Dubas. If this team manages to punch through and get through the first round, because there's people out there that say, well, they've got to go at least to the conference finals for him to get an extension. If this team gets out of the first round, I it, I think there's there's a three to five year extension waiting for do this. Yeah, that's, that's where I see it. And for me, the way I look at it is, is he stuck his neck out. He could have easily railroaded the players like sure. Babcock used to. You know, when, <laughs> when, when the Leafs didn't win under Babcock, yeah. it was never him. Never. Dubas has never once no. said it's the player's fault. He, never he took, once. He's he always been it. He's always been it. And the way I look at it is, I think I'm going to watch the, the incumbents much more so than I, I have usually. I'll be much more critical of them because I think this needs to be the year that they finally repay him. That for all the crap he's taken, for all the criticism, for giving them the contracts that they wanted, for leaving them the opportunity to get another big payday in a couple years. You know, he could have easily, when the salary cap froze, said, boys, Nylander's gone. Or, hey, Johnny, right. can, you, can, you, can you reconsider your contract? Or, hey, Mitch, you're being an asshole. Why are you dragging me and the team through the mud? You're gone. Like, if he really wanted to, he could have, at any point, just said, this isn't working. Right. So I would expect that the players now repay him and that Kyle Dubas not having a contract isn't as much of an indictment on Dubas as it's on the players because like you said the next guy could come in and bugger this whole thing up and if you're Austin Matthews oh, and you're will. looking at your next contract yeah, do you want Kyle Dubas negotiating it for you or with you because you respect him or do you want the mystery box? Now, if you've been a Leaf fan as much as you and I have, or even longer, or even shorter, that mystery box is never, never worked out for Toronto. No, no, it hasn't. So no, it hasn't. if you're Matthews and you're Marner and you're Nylander, this is the time that you earn your stripes. This is the time that you say, if we want to have this next year together, and we want to make this a legit thing where we win the cup and we punch our ticket to the Hockey Hall of Fame and, and we get all the accolades and we get that big, beautiful parade in Toronto, you owe it to Dubas. You owe think, it to him. Do you think it? Do you think that they'd allow us in the room to give them a, a rousing speech? Like, like I, I would like, hope so. I, th- like, I think that was the best 
piece of podcast anyone's ever produced, don't you? I think you, I th- you gave me a goosebump. Not much, but they, <laughs> and look, man, this team hasn't given me one in a long, long time. So, but that, but that's no, just how I, I feel, right? Like, there's only so much that a GM can do. You know what I mean? Like every like when when I hear people say, "Oh, he handcuffed the team." When has there ever been a trade deadline since Dubas has taken over where he didn't get the player he wanted? There hasn't been. When has there been an offseason where he didn't get the player he wanted? And we can create these 1,001 narratives. Right. I'll go back to even the John Tavares contract signing because people like to hang that on to Dubas. (laughs) Here's how I'll attack it. Not just from the fact that San Jose was going to give him 14 mil. What if Dubas offers Tavares a contract, he doesn't sign it, but then he ends up in Tampa, ends up in Boston, ends up in Montreal. What would the narrative have been then? You couldn't sign the hometown boy to a contract? You couldn't sign the hometown boy to a contract. The guy who took less money to sign here and that people will say because because of a cap complacent scenario, right? Because that's yes. what happened. The cap, the cap plateaued because of COVID. All right, or else we're not sitting here shitting on Tavares' eleven million dollars. No. no, but he still produces. But but we but we numbers. but why do we look at that even that situation when it comes to Dubis? Like no other team was going to give Tavares that money. Tampa was ready to drive that Brinks truck to Tavares' door. Montreal wanted yeah. to. He shot Montreal that that to. meeting down. He's like, and I'm as not you said, San Jose Montreal. in the thirteen to fourteen million dollar range. Islanders, An offer that was Islanders had, could have given him that extra year at fourteen. Absolutely, Absolutely. right. So it just it boggles my mind, and that's what that literally goes back to my point that it's now on the players. You have a guy that's given you every year the opportunity to win. He's upgraded at every position that you could have asked, and we can. You know what? I'm not banking on Murray and Samsonov as much as I like them. It's show me, but absolutely right. But what if they pan out? What if they work and Matthews and Marner just don't score in the playoffs? That can't be on Dubas, but it will be because but that's, that's, but but that's where be. we're at. But that's, that's where, we're at. where we're at. That's where we're at with media and that's where we're at with social media. So now it is, it is, it is put up or shut up, right? For Kyle Dubas, but all he can do is sit back. And watch what he's put on the ice. And we forget at the end of the day that it's the players that have to live up to the expectations yes. that are set up for them, right? Yeah. Now and that's not a knock. And I know people will listen not. to this podcast and say, Why are you shitting on Matthews? Why are you shitting on Marner? Tavares gets enough. You know, you're beating up on Nylander. But it's not. It's removing that fan hat for just one moment. Right. And saying, You can have the best CEO running a company. But if some of the frontline guys aren't doing what they're doing, right. Tapito's the whole organizational vision and plan. But that's where we're at with Toronto right now, aren't we? That Dubas has laid out as best of a plan as possible. Left 50 to, to 55 million in cap space when um, Nylander and Matthew's contract is due. Has even, now that we're starting to see the cap grow, can they get really aggressive and possibly sign McDavid because Tavares will be off the cap. Let's just have some fun with this. But but do you see where that creativity, given the cap flexibility that the Leafs will have in, in two years? I'm not, not saying McDavid's coming, but no. But what I'm saying is 
it does like it does leave the win open better than we've ever seen this but franchise. Can in I the ask? A, you know, this will be a topic for another podcast. But why can't we say McDavid is is coming? Oh, wait a second, because we're part of the Toronto Maple Leaf fan base, so we're not allowed to say that. But we can live. But Austin Matthews is he's going gone, to Arizona right? to play he's in gone. front of five thousand fans. He's got. He's gone, right? Austin Matthews. Yeah, is Austin Matthews gone. But go home, we say- he's going to go to LA because he wants to be closer to home. But McDavid who almost cried on national TV <laughs> when it showed that Edmonton had won the pick. Well, he doesn't want to come he home. Doesn't to want to Toronto, come right? The guy spent if his entire summer in David makes it to free agency. I will bet you my house. Toronto, make, be a Toronto, make Toronto moves heaven and earth to get him. No, no. And it, and it will happen. Yeah. It will happen. Edmonton Oilers fans. If there's an Oilers fan that listens to this <laughs> podcast, mark my words. If Connor McDavid, makes it to free agency he 100 percent is a toronto maple leaf and if the team still has matthews and marner they're gonna make it fit Period. they're gonna make it yeah, fit they're gonna and they'll it have fit. it like i think the cap's going up to what 95 potentially by 2026 or 25 26 yeah the 25 26 year they're projecting 92 million or something like that yep. yeah the money's gonna and then it, the money's gonna be there money's gonna be there the money's gonna be there and the Leafs will have at that point the prospects that can fill out the rest of the roster and that's the other knock before we wrap up this podcast i know i said that previously but <laughs> when people speak of why does why don't the Leafs have internal solutions to fill out the roster do people not understand that how drafts and the draft cycle works you're drafting an 18-year-old, and in some cases, a 17-year-old. Right. Unless you're getting a Connor McDavid, a Mitch Marner, an Austin Matthews. Defensemen take 25, 26 to kind of be ready. Like, you kind of have an idea when they're 22, 23 of what they might be. But right. really, defensemen, 25, 26. Goalies, anytime, you you know, once again, you're in the mid you're in the mid-20s. Like, look what came out about Swayman in Boston. He was hoping Toronto was going to draft him. Well, right. Dubas didn't run that draft. That was a Lewin Hunter draft where they passed up on Swayman. It was. It was Mark Hunter draft, yeah. Right? So yeah. you have to understand where the Leafs are in that cycle, that Dubas's picks from three years ago are going to come ready, if not overripe, when the, needs, when the Leafs need to fill out that roster to keep your Matthews, to keep your Marner, to keep your Nylanders. Right. So the process, like, that's why the Leafs are in where they're at, where they're having to look external for solutions. We pissed away three drafts outside of the home runs. Mm-hmm. There was no bunts. There was no doubles. There was no triples. You yeah. know, they, they hit on the guys that, well, they hit on Marner, yeah. Nylander, and Matthews. Top 10 picks. Yeah. Top 10 picks. First and overall. Was there even a debate with Matthews? Like, are you really taking Lane when you, when you need a franchise center? <laughs> No. You know what I mean? Like, so some of it was like Hannitum, but where the real true draft value comes is who are you drafting in the third or fourth round? Right? Right. Who are you drafting in the fifth, sixth round? But and it and those players take take time. time. They take time. They take time. Right. So we're at where we're at and we're looking at external solutions because we pissed away three drafts. And I think he's I think he's done a reasonable job over the course of the last couple of seasons and finding those external solutions. Yes. There's some misses at the end of the day. Yeah. 
as we identified before, those misses, you know, seem to be. Oh, but they're few oh, for between. I've, I've got to go get the gritty guy that's going to play on line one. Here comes Nick Ritchie. And then for whatever reason, I mean, no matter how many times the puck was on his stick, couldn't find the back. Of the or or that, even right? Dubas so, loses every trade he's made. Um, trade. So I ask, what trade did he lose? Kadri. Okay. And? Crickets. I can't make Kyle Dubas, noise with my mouth. So Kyle Dubas made, has made 42 trades. He's lost one. Okay, maybe two. Let's give him Marchman. So out okay. of 40 trades, he's lost two. And the narrative he's lost every trade? Put put even a couple more in there, maybe that we're not thinking off the top of our head. But the reality is, is that look, we understand the dynamics of the Cadre trade. Yeah. He had to move Kadri, period, the end. Understanding the background stories we addressed before, the Colorado trade was not his first option. That's not the deal <laughs> no. that he wanted. You know, that got nixed with Calgary. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Every season, it goes back to what you said. When it comes to trades, he's gone out and he's identified what he feels that the team needed. He's gone yep. out and got it. Sometimes he's overlooked bringing in more of that offensive skill set to try to get someone that's a little bit grittier. We meant, as we mentioned before, that that shit seems to blow up in his face. So, <laughs> yeah, it's the, know, it's the, it's the I'm worst. Just, I'm just saying, I'm going to put it out there. It's been out there in the media, but I'm going to float it again. Come trade deadline. If he can find a way to make the numbers work, and you can bring Patrick Kane to this team. I think he does it. You move every damn pick that you have. It doesn't. I matter. think he does it. I legit yeah. like. I, I think at this point, but I don't. Also, even with that trade possibly happening, I still don't see Dubis mortgaging the future. Like I, I still think that he'll find. Well, I a don't way think to that you're going to have to move three first round picks for a guy whose yeah. contract is expiring, right? So this yeah. isn't Patrick Kane with three years left. Yeah. So. There is so the there is yeah there is the fight. there is that there is that flexibility right so that's why I think if he's gonna do it he's gonna swing for the fences, yeah. and I, I I don't know I I have this funny suspicion, and I've been right on a couple of my preseason predictions I predicted Mike Babcock being turkey dumped and he was, you know I even predicted in one of my trade deadlines that Jake Muzzin and the Leafs were, you know seemed to find you no know, be a fit that I legitimately see the Leafs winning the division. Will they finish with 115 points? Maybe not because Detroit and Ottawa will probably each eat up a couple additional wins across the board, Mm -hmm. right? But Ottawa's not making up 40 points. No. Detroit's not making, what, almost 50? No. But they will, but, but, and that's the narrative, right? Like everyone says, oh, look what Ottawa did. Well, if Ottawa goes from 75 to 90 points and the Leafs go from 115 to 109, did the Leafs really get worse? <laughs> really. Right? Like, it's yeah. just, it's about, it's, it's comparative, right? Like, right. you're starting from the bottom. So when you get to st- stage five, eh, you know what I mean? Like, good on Ottawa. But I just, I don't know. I don't buy into the, the newspaper clippings. Let's just see how this season plays out. I'm still a believer that Ottawa is dumping Giroux at the trade deadline and for picks. Um, I think a lot of their veterans that they picked up in the summer, if stuff goes sideways come December, they're not on the Ottawa Senators by the end of the year. 
Again, yeah. Which uh, is reasonable, right? Like, yeah, well, we've seen it. Reasonable. I mean, but that's what you're doing, right? If you're a team that's trying to, you know, move up, like you're saying, you know, get to you, that you bring a couple stage. vets, you set that culture, right? And if it doesn't work out, then you hope a team like Florida is willing to give you whatever couple draft picks they still have left for the next five years, <laughs> because I think they're down to two. <laughs> <laughs> now there, now there's a cover that's dry. Now but, there's a cover that's oh, funny. but the Leafs have the worst GM oh, in the entire oh. National Hockey League. So. And and it's funny because the guy that the that some fans wanted them to keep has now tanked the Islanders, wasn't able to get Kadri, and they fired Trotz. So here we are, folks. Yeah, um, this are. has been a fun conversation, Sergio. Any final thoughts or opinions or anything for our listeners? Matthews scores 65 this year if he can make it to 75 games played 65 and 75 well he did what 60 and change last year and he missed yeah. the first 12 games well, he was missed still technically injured for the first 12 missed the first one you know there's a part of me that wants <laughs> to say that matthews is basically going to have a goal for every game played this year <laughs> But then I'm sitting there saying, geez, man, if this guy makes it to 82, can he do 82 goals? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. The talent's there, The, the, man. the talent's the there. Talent, and he looks – so I don't know. So I don't know how much of the – so before we, we finally wrap this up, I don't know – because Austin Matthews is a nice, positive way to tie up this show because we've kind of taken it in a lot of different directions and we've kind of dispelled a lot of the, the narratives this offseason. But he looks bigger, faster than he's ever been. Like – Maybe it's just the confidence of not coming into the season like he did last year with that lingering injury. Right. But he looks more dangerous. From from a perspective of of the confidence and the body language. Yeah. Yeah. It's and I, I, I like I think, it feels I like think he's, it's the next, it's the next progression in like it, it's it's that next stage. You, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So a little older, a little wiser, a little more frustrated, you know, more than likely. I think that. Again, and I'm going to keep saying this, barring injuries, if health is with this team, I think he's going to have a dynamic year. Yeah, no, so you know what? So so what you're saying is to wrap up this podcast is Leaf Nation has nothing to fret. Life is going to go well, and we might be having a different conversation this time next offseason. I think so. Excellent. This has been fun. Uh, to all our listeners, please you know, give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, we have a game one contest uh retweet and follow contest you'll see all the details um on october 12th for that contest and uh, we also have some special guest appearances throughout you know the next few weeks coming on our podcast as well so you'll get a chance to uh, listen to some of our featured interviews thanks again for listening everyone it's been great talk next week 